the biggest thing is realizing like, you know, whether we're going like different label meetings or de- meeting with like different brands, it's like, yo, like New England really has an opportunity mm-hmm. to be on the map. Like not just Providence, not just Boston, not just all these, whatever, Harvard, all these other cities. Like we really have the opportunity to like to create something right now. Like there's a lot of people watching. It's a lot of energy that's like coming coming to this area and we have like we really do have an opportunity to be like some people at the forefront of bringing that culture to the world you know what i'm saying so i I definitely think that's another thing i I guess i would say that that keeps us going hi i'm alexis and welcome to the first year project a podcast sharing the stories behind the good bad and integral aspects of first year experiences That's a clip of Jay and Sabrina from Stay Silent PVD talking about the huge wave of different dope creative communities from New England taking off and being on the brink of creating something next level for the world. Now, many of you have gone to school in New England or at least know someone who has, as the area has schools pretty much sprinkled everywhere. In fact, a third of Boston in particular is made up of millennials alone. But for years, many of these same millennials generally dipped off to other cities right after graduation. In the last five or six years, though, some things have definitely changed. People started creating the things they wanted to see in New England, building the types of communities, ecosystems, and art they wished they had for years. Sabrina and Jay are some of those people. As founders of the Providence-based creative projects and event and marketing production agency, that is Stay Silent PVD. Since 2012, the agency has grown with signature live events such as their festival series, Day Trill, Hashtag Oxcord, Bounce House, Eggs Over, Homegrown, and one of my personal favorites, Love You Better. Last week, we touched on major unexpected change. However, in this episode, we'll explore how the agency got its start, how partnering with the one you love isn't at all impossible, and the excitement and challenges that come along with working for yourself full-time. For episodes and visuals, check out firstyearproject.com, and you can follow First Year Project at First Year PRJ or just First Year Project on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So I am super excited and like thankful that we actually got to get this together because we were just talking about how every time we try to arrange this interview, there is a, a blizzard or like a <laughs> national um, weather uh, whatever going on. So thanks so much for coming out. I appreciate it. No, no. problem. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Dope. So I have Silent, a Stay Silent PVD here with me today on First Year Project. And uh, first and foremost, like, how did you guys actually come up with the name Stay Silent PVD? So Stay Silent PVD is, uh, it came from our motto. We initially started our organization in 2012, and it was called The Beautiful Silence. Mm -hmm. And uh, that came about just from seeing that with social media and with um, so much oversharing happening through the internet that people were often talking about things that they may not be doing or they're prematurely announcing things. So our motto is to let the work speak for itself. And that's kind of how we go forward with all of our business. It's how we go forward with our promotion. So, uh, yeah, our business is called Stay Silent PVD. It's just a reminder for us to stay silent, let the work speak for itself. That's that's so dope and I often feel like it's hard especially when you have like something super exciting coming up (laughs) it is so how how do you guys balance that I think I mean definitely I think with the with the age we're in with like oversharing it's like you know, you're saying something before it happens, like before it's even 100 percent, like you would kind of look like an asshole. And I think that's happening like more and more as like I'm noticing a, like a, a lot with like just our generation has become like this whole like, oh, shit. Like, yo, I'm bo- I call them like I'm about to ass niggas like I'm about to do this. So <laughs> I'm, I'm about to ass niggas. <laughs> I'm about to do this. I'm about to do that. So I think for us, it's just like don't talk about anything until we're ready to actually unless it's already done or about to actually do it. And the balance comes, I think, because we build Stay Silent to be outside of Jason and myself. So it's its own thing. 
And if you know us or you get to know us or you find out about us, then we'll, we'll definitely be excited to talk about what we're doing. For sure. But Stay Silent is where we share things first. And Stay Silent gets the glory for the events. It's not Jason and Sabrina throw the biggest party in Providence. It's Stay Silent throws this party. And so I think it, it's fun to be able to share things through that platform when things are ready and less about like us two being like the forefront of things. Exactly. And I think that's how at least I get fulfillment is like, Look at it growing over there, and, and it's I not really the, about me. I think the funniest thing and a testament to that is, like, like other DJs will come up to me and be like, yo, how can I DJ Daytrail? Or how do you get to DJ Daytrail? And I'm like, well, I'm I'm throwing it. So <laughs> you know they, don't like, they don't even realize. like, really the back end, which I think is kind of cool because it— you know, it leaves like this kind of mystique of like, it's not about me or like, you don't have to personally like us, but as long as you're enjoying the product, then that's what's the most important. Yeah, know? for sure. That's dope. So speaking of like how the agency come up, came about, I know you guys actually started to do work in college. So like, how did Stay Silent come about? I would say, uh, so when I, when I first came into college, like I had already been throwing events. So I had like a, a whole separate company called Blockstar Entertainment. <laughs> and I've been throwing parties. Wait, Blockstar or Blockstar? Block, Blockstar. Block like so, we on the block. Yeah, yeah like so, okay. me, so me, me, me and my boy uh, Blockstar Stan or Stan C, we, we had this company. Because I was like a rapper before I started DJing. But this was a, when he was like 16, Yeah, 17. like 16. So like, okay. so like my roots like started as a rapper to start promoting my music I started throwing parties um, I didn't intend to become like a promoter or anything but like 500 people showed up to this party mm-hmm. so that's how my I got started so when I got to college that's wait wait this is when you were 16 yeah, 17 like, 16, what 17. like I was doing like high, like high school all age team parties in Providence and then that's so crazy. I, I got like linked up with like another local DJ who's like a legend out there DJ Ruckus and uh, mm-hmm. started throwing like parties like in big clubs after my first initial events so then when I got to college like it was just like oh shit like now we're doing like 18 plus and 21 plus yeah and then you know like through joining student organizations like that's kind of how I met Sabrina at first mm-hmm. like we had like some classes together or whatever and then um it just, I don't know, I think just through like conversation and things that we were doing in collaboration with student organizations, like just led us to seeing that we have interests and that we happen to be on the same radio show. Yeah, I think, so I was in uh, an organization called Pink, Powerful, Independent, Notoriously Knowledgeable Women. And then we had a brother organization, Bond, Brothers on a New Direction, which Jay was a part of. Okay. And, um, and so what we did is we needed more college programming on campus for young people of color. There was... We went to the University of Rhode Island, and um, a lot of the programming just didn't. It wasn't hip hop focused. It and, super white. <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of like a lot of kids went home on the weekends that yeah. were of color, and we just didn't really have like a campus presence. It was like we come for classes, like we'll see each other in Dinah Hall, and then we go home like, on the weekends. T- to put it in perspective, like I would literally pack for the week. Like I never moved into school. Like I had a dorm room, and I would like bring like six outfits. You were and, paying them dorm fees and uh, yeah, bringing I mean, yeah, for me. It was Week bags? Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like we, like I'm in and out. Like you know what I mean. Like and I it, think that was kind of a culture that we saw a lot. At yeah, was just that you know a lot of kids. Uh, were working in Providence. They had to take care of brothers and sisters. They had to take care of older folks at home. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, oh, I'm 18. I get to go to college and forget about my house. That's Life, very yeah. true. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. I feel like New England as a whole doesn't necessarily have that culture in terms of colleges, but has the culture of, uh, in terms of meeting people of color, like students of color's needs. It's just like not there, exactly. or there is like this uh, responsibility on the students to kind of create that on their own. 100% yeah so yeah. Jay and I we were like how do we we saw Greek life um be, white Greek life being able to do like weeks of programming and just like tons of budgets and crazy stuff and we didn't really have a, a, a divine nine presence on campus okay. so we didn't get to see a lot of that in Rhode Island um, so Jay and I were like you know how do we get weekend programming for kids of color like how do we get to stay on campus for a weekend how do we get all our friends to stay here like we pay you to live here and the, I think that even the biggest thing at that time was like everybody's like yo we're going to Howard Homecoming mm-hmm. and I'm like like for me it's like I have no connection to D.C. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know anybody that goes to school there. Yeah. I don't like, so it's like, why do you like, so wait a minute, you want to go to another school that you have no connection to, to just go to these parties and go to 
to these events because we don't have this. So it's like, how can we bring like that type of energy to our campus or at least to our region? Yeah. So Jay and I got together as partners in student orgs and started a weekend college party called Oktoberfest. Mm. And it was just four days of parties in October. Um centered on keeping people on campus and it just worked out really well we had we bust in students from like UMass yeah, Amherst yeah. which is cra- that's crazy the, the crazy thing about it though to see like fast forward to a lot of stuff that's going on right now is like we were able to work with at the time his name was DJP Franchise who's young Paul of Collective Boston now DJP Franchise I didn't know that was his original yeah. name sorry if you didn't want that out there <laughs> now, but, but, but that was like you know what I'm saying so it's ill to see like you know they're bringing buses him DJ Blackout who's like Tony blackout yeah like you know what i mean like they're bringing buses of like 200 300 kids from umass and all these other boston schools mm-hmm. to, like to come down so it, yeah. it was really dope so i would say that's like the root of stay silent it was the first time that we weren't kind of just going with the mold of hey we're throwing a party on a friday or saturday night at a club this is like what we see a need that needs to be met and we're going to take that responsibility on ourselves to make it happen and to work with the powers that be to make sure it's approved so we did everything by the book we worked with the campus and it was you know it was really stressful working with people who don't understand hip hop that don't understand our demographic and we weren't taking no for answer like that was like the the biggest thing at, at the school was like like, you know, I was like a part of student senate and stuff. So I understood like how money was being allocated. Mm-hmm. So they would always try to make it seem like, oh, like, you know, like the minority organizations didn't really know how to get their money or access stuff where it was there for us to use. So that was really like our whole attitude going about is like, you know, we're not taking no for an answer and this is going to happen. And it, I mean, it as hard as they tried to make it, like we were able to do it for a few years. Yeah. And it's still going on, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the birth of Stays Island. That's beautiful. Now, do you both remember like the day you decide to get serious in terms of turning Stay Silent into an agency? I, I mean, I remember. So the. The ironic thing about Stay Sound was like, like I had Block Stars prior to that, me and my partner Stan. And then when Sabrina first started working with us, like she came like through with like a lot of like really dope ideas, like more attention to detail. Like our thing was more like, all right, we're getting bodies in a club. We're getting like hundreds, maybe. Typical promoter yeah, stuff. Like, like th- thousands of people. So Sabrina came with kind of like a, a different perspective about like attention to detail mm. that like kind of empowered more the creative stuff. But that wasn't necessarily where we were at as a whole. So like initially, like like the whole beautiful silence thing was supposed to be like a women's version of block stars that had like different. It was like a few like it's supposed to be like a women's organization type thing. But then for me, like I like when I started kind of falling back from like the block star thing, like, you know, like I wanted to do like more creative stuff and, and try different things. So I was like trying to start like this whole separate organization. And then Sabrina was like kind of like really like the only one active with like the beautiful silence thing. So I always remember being like, we're just like, yo, why don't we just like do this together? We were together? just forcing it. It yeah. was just one of those things that I think, you know, I was like, clearly I'm looking at this completely differently than the dudes are that are in block stars. And yeah. every time I come to the table, I I feel like I'm butting heads with all y'all about what I think is important and y'all just don't value the same things I do. And Mm. I was and at 20, I was looking at it like a gender thing, like, oh, this is this, this is that. So maybe I just need to start a women's thing because women will get this. And that was just forcing it. Like, I didn't understand that it had nothing to do with that. It was more so just about like minded individuals and coming into it with the perspective of like we're focusing on detail off the rip. And then, yeah, so Jay and I just it became that um the day i like the day i remember it changing i guess would be like you know at the end of one of our new year's parties just being like we had thrown so i started throwing events at in 20 2007 um and the student org i was the head of the public relations portion of that so i had been throwing parties for four years and then jay and i started throwing parties i joined him with block stars and helped do stuff with that so we had done one of our new year's parties as block stars and i just remember at the end of it feeling like not fulfilled even though we had like a thousand a thousand people in the building like you know counting lots and lots of lots of cash and just feeling like this was so whack like i didn't have fun this is whack my name is on this and i didn't like it and i think from there it was like I don't need to do this anymore. Like, if it's just to get this check, like, I can do this in a million other ways. So Jay and I were on the same page with, like, we're willing to rebuild. Like, we're willing to start from zero. We're willing to throw away 900 people in the club and start with 15. And so Mm -hmm. that's, like, the time that I remember feeling like, what's next? Because this isn't it. 
Now, the agency really, one thing that I truly love about it is that every event or like the overall brand rather really focuses on like coming from a place of love and like doing things from a place of love. So like, how did you get to the point of like branding in that way? And why is it important that it is coming from a place of love? Yeah. For me, I would say when Sabrina kind of spearheaded like the whole support RI thing, because well, I'll let her tell it, but she was like living in New York. What support are I? Yeah, so I moved to New York in 2011. Um, I was doing an internship with Pastry Shoe Company with Russell Simmons' oh, yeah. nieces. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I had I started their social media accounts and I was just like working there, ended up getting hired. And so I was in New York and just really in tune with at home because I had no friends in New York. I didn't know anything happening. I was a single girl, young. Like, I'm not going out here meeting a million people. (laughs) So I would just be on social media checking what's going on at home. And I'm like, yo, it's so crazy how when you step out of something and you look back at it, like, I'm looking at it with nostalgia, like, yo, I can't wait to be back home. And everybody at home is just, like, tearing each other down. It's just that, you know, crab in a barrel mentality that we often have in small cities. And stepping out of a small city and moving to the city really made me see Providence and New England as a whole as a super important market that every time I'm in meetings in these places, they're talking about Massachusetts, they're talking about Providence, they're talking about small cities, small markets that they need to engage. And so um, Support RI was just like literally just a hashtag I threw out there that was like, yo, we're going to keep talking about this. We're going to keep causing these problems, but nothing will ever change for our cities unless we actually put supporting it out front. And so I think it was just more so like, I don't know where exactly like the love side came from. I just think it's natural for us to... um, Like like it I definitely don't think it was like a, I think Deliberate. that like like that energy is like rooted in how we like how we started but I don't think it was like well we're gonna put this in our marketing plan mm-hmm. and people are like gonna <laughs> like you know what I mean like I, like I really like you know what I mean like I really do love Providence like I don't I, I mean New England for that for that matter like I don't really look at it as like yo you know I gotta support other people so they support me like yo if you're doing some ill shit then yeah I fuck with you you know what I mean and I think that's kind of like how we've always approach it like yo if you're doing something dope like yo we want to bring you to the city to, to to come work with us you know what i'm saying like we want to be the gateway to to kind of at least get into providence you know and i think sometimes the work that we do you gotta do it with love like you know we're dealing with the city of providence who you know they have boxed out hip-hop of venues just like most cities have yep. uh for years and years and years so to come in and to make things work you really have to love this because you're gonna deal with a lot of stress like you're gonna deal with a lot of yellow tape and a lot of questions and so we've just been if you don't have a passion for it you don't actually love this culture you don't actually love the people you're serving it's gonna be very difficult for things to live and like we've thrown parties collectively for four years but separately he's on 10 and I'm on nine right now um and I've never we, we had we've thrown parties and we've never had a fight you know like those major fights there's always been like small bar scuffles but yeah. never anything that caused an issue and it's like those things don't happen you know people hear that and they're like y'all throw hip-hop parties how do y'all not have fights but for us it's like if we go into it with the mentality of like we want the people here to feel like they're a part of this that they deserve to be here that we're keeping them safe those things are they come from a place of love like you can't do that without that so I just think it's natural for us to like spread it because it just needs to be spread it's just hard work (laughs) that's so dope I don't think people realize that when you're trying to get a hip hop event or or even like an urban professionals event mm-hmm. in a city, I'm gonna be very honest, like Boston, yeah. in a city I imagine oh, like histor- Providence, historically white cities. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not it even- is so hard. Yeah to even just like pitch it because there is a certain very narrow-minded mentality of what that looks like, right. what that feels like, all that. I mean, this, this is what I always say about, I mean, like what I notice in Providence, is, I mean, this holds true to a lot of cities is, like for lack of better words, is they want to do niggas shit without niggas. Is if, so if you can throw... Explain. Like, so what I, what I mean by that is Jason. you want to do black <laughs> you want to do black people stuff without black people. Yeah. If you notice, how are you the number one dance party club that throws hip hop parties and you don't have any black DJs and hip hop is a black culture like you know what I'm saying it's I mean it's universal and there's a lot of people who are 
it in that, you know what I'm saying? But for at, sure. But at the, at the same time, it's like, that's what I, I think is like the struggle that we deal with in a lot of places is like, you know, you can't come from like a minority background and be like, we're going to do this to how we see in our heads because this is how culturally we do things. It's always like, eh, like we don't, you know what I mean? Like we don't, we don't feel that, you know what I mean? I think we also like challenge venues we work with, challenge businesses we work with to like, hire people of color like it's not even that the dj can't be white because that's not at all what jay's trying to say Mm -hmm. it's more so that like you know if this community is really supposed to be a community that represents hip-hop then we need all types of faces and a lot of the venues we work at are all white establishments but but, but that's what i'm saying is you can't there's no way you can do hip-hop things like you can't say that you're a hip-hop venue yeah but you don't have events with black people or you don't want black people in your venue literally like if you have a sign outside your venue that says you don't you no like, hats no je- no loose jeans no hoodies no it's like you're weeding out a demographic before mm-hmm. you even it's like hard bottom shoes do not make people less violent like and i think that's something we deal with no research time. shows that yeah. <laughs> exactly like and, and and that's the thing is that's always been our angle with you know just different venues that we work with it you know it's kind of challenging how they look at things you know what yeah. i'm saying Mm-hmm. And a lot of the venues we work with, like, we ask them a lot of questions. Like, we don't work with venues that we deal with. If we deal with microaggressions or institutional racism, we don't work with you. So, like, we, hip-hop makes a lot of money for clubs. It's a, you see a pattern sometimes. So, a club will open up, and they do no hip-hop. They do an EDM night. They do folk. They do a million things. And then the second that their business starts doing poorly or they don't pack out nights, they'll bring in a hip-hop promoter. Wow. And if you look around, it's all, it happens all of the yeah, time. Uh, every, everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere in the country. Yeah. Because hip hop is just a cash cow. Like our culture spends at the bar. Our cult- There's little things that we do. We're willing to spend at the door. We buy expensive liquor. Like these things are hip hop culture points that are just across the board. And so um, when we walk into clubs and we see certain things happen, it's like, oh, yeah, like we heard what you guys are doing. Like, we'd love to have you here. We're like, OK, cool. We don't do a dress code. That's one thing we'll never do. We don't do a dress code. And they're like, oh, like, you know, we don't feel. And I'm like, yo, security, like we can heighten security. We can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to make the people who are coming and paying to be here have to shift what they're doing because of your stress about yeah. something yeah and um yeah so that whole like love point is definitely real because you got to just bring it to the table <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah that's dope so now what's been a transitional moment that uh you and your like agency have gone through because you guys have been doing this type of work for a very long time and you're young <laughs> um i was i would say this year has probably been the most transitional because it's like the first time that this is what we're really doing full-time you know what I'm saying? Like, so we've that's dope. We've worked with like other clients on and off, or had jobs on and off, and I, I kind of think, I mean, for me at least, it, it's like you look for validation in all these other places. Like, you know, like whether you got your parents on your back or different people saying like, well, are you graduated from college? Like, what are you doing now? And it's like, well, this is what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But. You know, for some people, it's like you know, if you don't got a four hundred one k and a fucking nine to five, it's like you're not you're not working. You know what I'm saying? So, I, so I think that this has definitely been like this whole year is a transitioning point because you know, like for like the last seven years, I've been working with expressions, like doing their marketing, and for for the first time, it's like you know, stay silent is do or die. There's no like other income to be like oh shit like you know if if this stay silent thing don't work, I still got this other money to pay my bills. You know what I mean? So I would definitely say this whole year is like a transition. 2016 or 2017? Oh, 2016. I should say, my bad. (laughs) Yeah, for 2016, it was definitely the first time we increased the number of events we did. So prior to, we were doing like event or so every other month or every month. And this month, this year, uh, or sorry, last year, 2017. It's so close. It's so close. Uh, 2016, we up the number of events we do. So now we're doing like two to three per month. And this year we already have like 50 events on the schedule for 2017. Five zero. Yeah. Oh, snap. And that's definitely going to grow. So I can, we did 39 last year. So, uh, yeah, so the numbers have gone up. And so I think that's a big transition too, is just like, we are an event. We're, we're handling all of our events. And then we're also going to build on like some other platforms that we have like in the works, like content and just some different things that we're working on. And, so, And that's why I like, I mean, I, I definitely like that. Like you keep stressing the word agency because I think that's what, 
people are going to see this grow to. For like, sure. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and uh, like when we first, I think when we first started, people were like, all right, you guys are party promoters. And now, you know, through like things like Day Trail, like just the mere size of it and the production value that has to go into it, like people are like, oh shit, like you guys are like actually producers. Like you're not just, you know, bringing people here, but yeah. you're building this from, from, from the ground up. So I definitely think that the transition is into the, into the agency because outside of stay silent, you know, we tried to do like the silence creative thing, which was like where, you know, like if we work with clients, it'd kind of be through that. And I think now we've transitioned to where like stay silent is, you know, events and trying to work with other people under the same house and perspective too. Now, how are you navigating like, just having the mere confidence to do this full time and, and to be like, okay, like this is where we are getting like our money, but st- still staying true to like the values of stay silent. I think we, it's a good ask. question. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. It's Thank definitely you. something we struggle <laughs> with. Um, not the quality side per se, but just, you know, selling ourselves short or being excited to do certain things. So we're like, all right, how do we get into this space? And then having to sit back and be like, okay, what we have is a valued service. This is something that people pay for. How much does this cost? Yeah. So um, I think the confidence comes from one, having a strong partner, like having somebody else who's as in as I am is definitely the very, very important part of it. Like whenever I wake up and have that moment where I'm like, yo, what are we doing right now? He's like, this is what we're doing. It's vice versa. Like we'll always have each other to like question and uh, respond like in those times of need. And then also I think we've got, we've gained a lot of confidence in 2016 because of awesome partners and venues. So we work with amazing venues in Providence. I I even say, man, like, like really our friends and people who come to the events believing in us. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's just, it's inter- it's interesting that, you know, it's been like repetition, like, you know, doing this again and again and again, and then going to other markets and trying to do it again and again and again. And I, I like, I definitely think like, you know, like you see like those same faces coming into the room and yo, they're not trying to get in for free. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they're not, they, they don't feel ashamed or trying to sneak like they're they're proud to pay that 10 20 bucks to come to this thing because True. it's like important to, like I like I like I went on this like Twitter rant the other day where I was like <laughs> talking about like this girl Melissa Polanco that I used to go to uh I went to school with her like pretty much from like middle school all the way to college yes and um so when I used to do like mixtapes she used to like buy these mixtapes and I like, saw this too yeah. like you know what I mean like like clearly the music wasn't fucking good like you know what I mean? like I'm in like seventh grade so like the music Music isn't like the best music in the world, but she's like, you know, like just supporting you. Like, yo, I'll buy this CD for five dollars. Can you sign for me? Like, can you sign this CD for me? Like, that gives you the confidence to keep pushing through. So, like, when we do events and like, say we're going to DC and we're doing an event for the first time, like, yeah, yeah, we do events in Providence with two, up to two thousand people. You go to DC and to see people drive from Providence to DC. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? On their on their own dime, getting their own Airbnb, spending money to like to to come to the event. You're just like, holy shit. Yeah. Or vice versa, seeing people come from New York City, Canada, Boston, like all these different places to come to Detroit. You're like, damn, like these people really believe in something that we're doing to be doing this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the back to the venue thing, like we're working with just really good venues that are in with us. Like, you know, when we have a question or we feel uncomfortable or we need them to step up and be like, this is wrong, what's happening, or talk to another venue for us, like they're willing to do that. So Aurora and Providence has been like a home for us. And everybody there is just super dope, willing to grow with us, willing to work through all the kinks. And so venues like that make it easier for people like us to have a vision because I'm not worried about the rug being pulled out from under me because of a mistake because that those things happen in people services like we're dealing with humans and so to, things can happen at any time and too I, I would say like just not being scared to bat on ourselves right now you know what I'm saying like I mean that's kind of always been like, at least my attitude is like kind of like yo put up or shut up you know what I'm saying so th- that's at least how you know what I mean like just the attitude that I'm trying to bring into the whole stay silent thing is like yo like, what else are we going to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, like my man Cam, who, who's down with us, says all the time is like, yeah, we've been doing this for so long on the music tip that why would we look back now? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. if we were going to if we were going to stop doing this, we should have stopped at 18, 19. Like, yo, I'm about to be 27 and like a week and a half. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, why would I all of a sudden be like, eh, like this ain't the way to go? Like, it'd be like damn near wasting like 
my whole life like you know what i mean at least in my perspective for sure now you mentioned mistakes and i love that you mentioned mistakes because first year project is all about mistakes Mm -hmm. and they happen no matter what industry you're in no matter the case right right so how do you all deal with mistakes like how do you bounce back from them I think uh, one thing I do, so I handle most of the logistics on, on day of for our events. Jay's usually handling the music and artist side of things when we have events. So he's handling DJs and artists. And um, I typically, when I'm dealing with mistakes, as far as, you know, day of production stuff, I'm just super transparent. Like if I see something about to bubble or if I'm going into an event uncertain about things, I'm very open with whoever I need to be open with about what may potentially happen. So I'll go into it like, yo... I checked the RSVP list. I do not know any of these people. Like, we might want to do this. We might want to do that. Yeah. And just kind of, like, you know, be super happy at the door. Like, I'll put these little things. So we we do one thing where, like, our, we have the same door people at every venue we work with. And they come from our camp. They're family to us. And so they always greet people with a smile. They always thank people for spending their money with us. Little things that you don't get at a lot of hip-hop clubs. It's like a pat down and a push through the yeah, door. Hurry, hurry up and get through the floor. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, like, things like that. I might be like, yo, well, I'm going to give you some blow pops. Hand them out the door. Make sure people are happy when they're here. So, like, I'm always trying to come up with a solution before I see something bubbling up. And mm-hmm. when a mistake does happen, you're just honest about it. Like, this is what I could have done better. And if it has nothing to do with me, it's like... This is a fluke thing and, that happens in this industry, and I just gotta like and you let gotta, it go. You gotta think about sure. mistakes too. Like, as far as like when you're planning things, it's like y- you're pretty much the only person that knows the plan. So half the time, when something goes wrong, people don't even know that it's going wrong because they don't they don't know what was gonna happen. So you kind of gotta just like, you know, walk <laughs> in at showbiz. Eat. You just keep it moving. Yeah, you gotta keep roll it moving. <laughs> like people don't like people literally don't know. Like, yeah. you know, last week we. Uh, we had our New Year's party. It, somebody knocked over the other DJ's laptop. The music stops. You know what I mean? And yeah, we just talk like it's normal. Like, hey, like, well, we're making an announcement. We're talking to the crowd. And nobody literally knew that his laptop got knocked. Like, after the party, we're talking to people. Like, they were like, wait, that happened? You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> so I think, like, you know, that's a very small situation. But there's been times that it's been a lot worse that we got to kind of figure it out. On a, you know, on, on our slide. feet, you know what I'm yeah. saying? For sure, for sure. I remember when I interviewed uh, Corey, um, I actually accidentally deleted all of the questions that I wrote up before. <laughs> L- to this day, it, it, honestly though, it has been one of the most comfortable interviews I've ever I've ever recorded mm. because I was just like, well, like I know what I want to ask him more or less, and it's like we're here now. I didn't I didn't, I don't, I didn't even tell him until after the interview because you just have to like kind of go with Keep it. Keep it moving, yeah. Yes. And if he doesn't if he doesn't know, then he's looking at you like you have all the answers. Exactly. Yeah. So that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. That, that's definitely uh, something that I work on as the logistics person because I try to be super open with all my venues and all that. But there are certain things like you didn't have to tell him that. And like upon review, learning when to like when to apologize, when to step up and when to be like, all right, I'm gonna take that on the chin. That's something that I might want to fix in the future. But that doesn't need to be expressed to the public. It's or funny. Expressed to the people. It's funny because we're on. Like, I don't want to say like polar opposites. We're but, definitely polar opposites. But we're, we're very different because you got to think about it. Like she like she's definitely like the logistical person. That, you know, like handling everything day of, making sure everything's going straight uh, on the day of. But I'm also the music person. So what I do is a lot based on feeling. So it's like that's kind of like I can't operate on like a narrow line. Like, you know, what he I'm can't saying? think about like I'm looking at the door like, oh, we have a lot of regulars here. They're going to be like this. And so my vision for music might be like we should do this. Yeah. But he's up there and he's looking at people in their faces and watching them dance and watching them move. So we are definitely on complete. We take opposite spectrum roles in our events in order to make them I think function fully I would say it's working so I don't know if people know this because I didn't originally know this but you guys are partners like real life partners which is awesome yeah. this is like a personal goal of mine like I don't know what I have to do to find someone who you I can be stressed out a lot so get ready <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the thing that, the thing that it's so like I, like sometimes I, I'm like, yeah, it's pretty. I, like I think it's pretty obvious, but that's what I always think but, too. But, but sometimes no not. Knows. Like you know what I mean? Like like a like a, a DJ will come around a dude like, yo, who's that? I just start <laughs> laughing. Like I just start laughing. Like you know what I'm saying? So it's like that doesn't it, happen to him. No girls ever come and be like, yo, who's the DJ? There that you go. But, but, there you go, Sabrina. <laughs> but with that, but you know what I'm saying? So I think I always think it's funny, but um, yeah, wait, yeah. What's it like working collaboratively with your partner? Uh, I would the say, best thing he's ever known. <laughs> and I, I, I would say more so it's like 
uh, it's on twenty four hours. Like you know what I'm saying? Like, you, like I've been in I've been in relationships where it's like they don't really understand mm. what the hell I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so you you definitely dealing with that. Like it's just you know that's a positive thing, but it can also be a a bad thing at the same time because you, you got to know that yo know, it's even though you're dealing with business 24 hours it's not business 24 hours yeah so it's i think it's very fulfilling when you grow something together so like we always say like our kids would be cute but day trails our baby and it's like Aww. that's kind of that's corny but it's his it's that was his statement that's beautiful <laughs> uh no nah, but the point of it is that like growing something with your the person you love is really dope because you get to see something grow and, and not only just him but like all of our friends that are part of the team like we're really a family so when we win it's like the whole team is like really in um, and for the right reasons not for any third party like you know not for financial gain not for any of that it's like yo we're really in this for real um, but it is a challenge to try to figure out like yo date night we, we can't sit at this table and be like yo you know it'd be crazy but at the same time being open with the fact that this is our life passion so yeah. those things are gonna come up and, and, that, and that's at just, all times that's the way you know what I'm saying that's the way we think like you know what I mean like like that's what I'm saying is the tough part because, like, if you're sitting at if you're sitting at the dinner table or you're out somewhere and you have an idea, you're not gonna be like, so let I'm me wait till tomorrow. Let at me save 8 this. <laughs> let me save this for the business meeting. But you also got to know like when not to like OD on that too. You know what I'm saying? Would you say like that's been like the the toughest part of like working together as well as being together? I think it's. I don't know if it's. Yeah, I think that's the toughest part. But I wouldn't say like. Um, I don't know. It's really not that hard. I don't want to yeah. like. I don't want to make it sound like it's super hard because it's not. Like it's just a natural thing that there's like little, second nature. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there are little nuances. You as you learn somebody, you're like today's not the day to be like this. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of what it is. Is more just about like being in tune with each other and being like, all right, I'm not. Sabrina's not ready to have this conversation right now. So Jay's looking at me like I'm gonna save this one. But I think that, and also me being more lenient, like. I think um, having a lot of friends that are girls that don't date business partners and I'm hearing about what they do in their relationships, like learning that that's somebody else's situation. I'm not going to have a relationship where like we don't talk about business or we don't do work stuff because this is what we do. And I'm that's why I love it. And that's why it's working. So trying to like forget to don't compare my situation to like another situation and that's across the board not only with my own girlfriends but in the world like I have a certain situation and it's working and why is it working and trying to like enhance those things instead of like wait for this day where we're like eating dinner and not talking about the things we love because that would not be fun I mean, yeah. and that's kind of what like brought us together like you know what I'm saying like I like like I know Sabrina for, so you guys worked together before you dated yeah like yes well yeah I'm saying like we were like on a radio we were, like like I mean a funny thing like you mentioned like uh like a lot of the people that you even see us around like you know we've been on radio shows with them we've been doing parties with them Drew's one person, person. like went very dope. Yeah. like so like so that's why like it's it's so interesting because like we were friends long before beautiful silence mm-hmm. like you know what i'm saying so so that's what i think is 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 interesting about all of it you know what i mean like it just so happened like you know you're working on oktoberfest you're doing this and you start to realize you got a lot of the same interests you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah. Also, you guys are have the ability to talk about money and to work through things like there are a lot of couples who have been together for years that don't have those conversations until they're like, oh, we have very different views yeah. on how you spend money or <laughs> on the value of things yeah, or how you spend your time. Like, Ooh. you know, if Jay's going to mix in the basement for four hours, like I'm not like he just wasted four hours. I'm like, oh, shit, he just did that for four hours. That's him putting his time into his passion. Yeah. So I think it is it is something that's necessary when you're in creative fields to just like find people that respect your passions, not even nice. just like your life partner, but friends. You know, there are people who still, you know, I have friends who are like, girl, like I'm, I've, you haven't outgrown the club. And I'm like that. This isn't the club. Like that's not what I'm doing right now. I'm not going to the club. Like I'm I'm hosting, I'm event planning, I'm making this up. This is a production. Yeah. But like, you know, you're going to meet people who don't get it, but in creative fields like you have to be able to say, you know, like value my time, value what I'm doing and as my friend or as somebody I care about, like I expect you to understand how I'm spending my time and I'm going to respect how you're spending your time. 
you both are uh, Hove fans. We're, we're going to do a short <laughs> is he? shift. Is he? I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> what, you you should have seen my face. I'm like, what? No, I knew I'm, Sabrina was, so I just assumed that. No. I mean, like, Javen, Javen pushing my buttons about you know Hove. I, mean, I, lo- I, lo- I, lo- I, I love Jay-Z's music. Okay. I love Jay-Z's no. music, but I will say this, that I think a lot of time Jay-Z stands, not Jay-Z fans, mm-hmm. Jay-Z stands. He's talking about me. Conf- <laughs> they like to, like, compare his business like they put his business accolades with his music accolades saying that he's the best uh, rapper to ever do it and I'm like that's a part of the whole Jay-Z see? vibe though Are you like, a Jay-Z that's fan? his mu- I'm a huge yes. Jay-Z fan what? two against one but, uh, but that's what I'm that's what I'm saying is like yeah, when you look at the music like when you look at the music of it it's like yo, he's still the best rapper if you just look at the music I mean, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you like you know like it's not far-fetched to say that Jay-Z is the best rapper I'm just saying like when you look at the landscape of just New York rap Mm. Or you just like like there's a lot of people like even if like revisionist history is such a huge Bye. thing in hip hop not just with Jay Z in hip hop I agree like you know what I'm saying <laughs> so if even if you go back and you talk like you talk to DJs or you talk to people writers and stuff and you talk to them about like 1996 97 98 99 2000 2001 and you like yo who were the hottest rappers what were the dopest records like if you ask a Jay Z fan oh when Reasonable Doubt came out it was the biggest album it's like oh yeah, yeah. no it, it definitely was like you know what I'm saying like, like that's like yeah. the consensus across Across the board, you know what I mean. Future says something about. That. I mean, I personally disagree. I, I think just because an album isn't popular in its day and age, like when it was birthed, doesn't necessarily mean that the album isn't good. Like, no, I, I agree, I out. agree. But I, like, I also like I said, <laughs> we like, got him started. This like, is what like, you're go, like going going to like from like from a DJ perspective, like it's all about energy. Like you know what I'm saying? Like that. Like that's how, literally how I look at music, how I look at fashion. Everything to me is about energy. So. Just because there could be a bunch of good things going on, but there's someone who dominates the moment. It's like when Michael Jordan's playing was playing basketball. Yo, there was a lot of great players that should have won championships. That should have, you know what I mean? They, there's a lot of people that don't have rings because Michael Jordan was playing basketball. Mm-hmm. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So you have to look at the landscape of hip hop. There's, yo, know, like Jay Z put out an incredible album, but there was a lot of dope albums that came out when Reasonable Doubt came out. Like you, you see what I'm saying? Okay. So, and that's what I think that that Jay-Z fans try to couple with is that they're like, yo, well, he got Reasonable Doubt, which was a dope album, but yo, he owns this team. He has rock where I'm like, yo, that's cool. Yo, but Jay, you mad? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying like, yo. I love I, I just, I just think, I just think that Jay Z fans don't look at that. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. like even it, like, like I, hate, I, hate, I hate to even bring up the Nas thing. You know what I'm saying? Have, then don't. Then no, just no, don't no, no, bring no. it up. But, but, but I, hate, I hate to bring it up because if you look at somebody like Nas, like Illmatic is considered like a hip hop bible. Like we, we can agree. on I agree. That. I agree. And, and I'm the, a Jay Z fan. The one argument that Jay Z fans always have about Nas. It's it's almost never about the music. It's yo, but Jay Z has Rocco Air. He owns this. He has the bark. Like it's never about yo. This album's better than this album. You know, I I rare I rarely hear that. I wish. I mean, you all will eventually see this, but honestly, do think overall, I think Jay Z has a better catalog. All all day. Okay, so all day. Yo, that's what I'm saying. But as 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 a a level-headed rap fan, I can say that logic. Like you you see what I'm saying. So Sabrina, what is your favorite? favorite hope song my favorite hope song is can i live mm, why um i just think he's one he's talking that fly get money stuff he's just talking about like traveling and going out and getting bread and looking fly and then he's also talking about just not being afraid that you know i'd rather die enormous than live dormant mm. those just like betting it all on himself and i don't know that's my favorite and he just is super fresh and it's his first album there's like a lot of nostalgia in my love of that song True. I'm a huge uh, fan of the, just the Jay Z story of being like rejected, like label after label, of being like, "Well, fuck it, I'm gonna, do I'm gonna do myself. it on my own." Yeah, him and Biggs, yeah, yes. and just even understanding like, like, like the value of the company and like having the foresight to be like, "Yeah, at some point we're gonna sell this company." Is in the early '90s, <laughs> late '80s. It's like pop the trunk, sell the trunk. Yeah. yeah, no, that is dope. Now, Jason. um... One of your tweets that I saw, this was around your four your four year uh, anniversary, which congratulations Thank by the you. way. Um, one of the tweets it had several phrases, and one of the phrases were uh, five or five thousand. Like, what's the significance of that? So my motto as a DJ and what I I kind of preach to everybody is like 
like if it's my friend performing, if it's me DJing or us throwing an event, is whether it's five or five thousand people in this room, you got to bring the same energy because yeah, you you never know who's in the room, and you don't want to cheat anybody of an experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like that's how I always look at it. Like like I used to notice like when I first started DJing, you know, I would go to clubs, and you know if it was only like thirty people in a club, like the DJ would just put a mix on and go drink by the bar. You know what I'm saying? And it's like you know that's not really fair to those people who paid. Even if they didn't pay, you know what I'm saying? They, they're there with their time, you know what I mean? So that's how I always look at it. Like, you know, like recently we like we started this R&B party, Love You Better. And, um, you know, it was like early in the night. I'm just DJing and like somebody came up to me. They're like, yo, it's crazy that you playing all these songs. Like you playing like all these songs. And you're doing this like you're actually DJing. I'm like, that's what I have to do. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So that that's definitely something I try to live by is like five or five. Like it don't matter who's here, like five or five thousand. We're going to rock out. Very dope. Now, you guys have trade pop-up. You're full-time with the agency. Like, what does 2017 for uh, Stay Silent look like? 2017, we... So, with trade pop-up, that's our nonprofit arm. So, it's a rotating retail event and gallery space. And we have a third partner at that, Drew... um, Drew Barr <laughs> Whitey Whitey from he works at Bodega as well but oh, so dope. him um, he's our third partner there but so for 2017 for the nonprofit, we're just stepping up our um, bookings we've been booked since September 1st every weekend pretty much except for the holidays and uh, so it's free to use for creatives nice. you get four day use of the space and there's a bunch of other stuff at tradepvd.com so we're just trying to book the year out there and then first day silent, like I said earlier, we have like 50 plus events on the calendar right now. That includes a quarterly event in some major cities. So we're doing four events in New York, four in D.C. and four in L.A. Hopefully. Hopefully. Oh, so you guys are on. I, I saw that you had one event on the West Coast. Have you had more? No, that's our first one there. And we're working with um, Drew and uh, his sport, team at yeah. Good Sport nice. yeah, to try to do some more stuff on the West, West Coast. Uh, so yeah, so it's going to be a busy year. We also are stepping up our content. We have some stuff coming down the pipeline, just like working more on, we ha- we've we always been, our full time before this was digital marketing. So we've always been on like the brand side, the video side, photography side, um, creatively at least. So now we're just going to bridge that gap with Stay Silent. And, you know, our team is really diverse with Stay Silent. We have Drew Whitey, um, Hill Holla, and Campbell's. So they all, all three of them are going to be doing things individually and then also through our vessel this year. So there's some new projects coming out, clothes from Beyond All Reach, just like, like stop, lots of stuff. Like for me, it's just like, like not asking niggas for permission, man. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> that's like, like the whole way I'm looking at 2017 because it'd be like, time, like from the content perspective, it'd be times I'd be like, yo, Yo, this artist is about to be popping. We should do an interview with them. They want to do an interview, like for one of my past clients. And they'll be like, like, who the hell is this person? They're never going to blow up. And then, yo, that person ends up being Cousin Stitz. You know what I'm saying? Or that person ends up being Michael Christmas. Very or that true. person ends up being 21, 21 Savage. Savage. Mm-hmm. You, you feel what I'm saying? So for me, like, that's like, like really like what I want to do is like, just be like, yo, all right, you guys, you guys don't want to. Take this content, have this content. Yo, why don't we put yeah. it out? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, trusting our own instincts and like what we like, and being like, you know, if if the third party outlet doesn't like this, that doesn't mean there's not a home for it in somewhere that, you know, I think Stay Silent is growing into something that is a New England voice, and we just want to represent that even better outside of just events. Now, what keeps you both going? Yeah, to be honest, I really don't even fucking know. Like, and, and like, <laughs> like I be. I don't know, like, like for me, like this music shit has been my life since I was a kid. Like, you know what I'm saying? From like just recording in the basement, doing that. Like, it's just like I really feel like I don't know anything outside of music. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what this is what makes me excited. Like nothing else. Like just like the whole hip hop culture as a like whether when I say like music, obviously I'm so like fashion and everything associated with it. But like that just keeps me hungry. You know what I'm saying? Like just that energy, seeing how people react to music. Like that's it just makes me excited. Like this is what I would be doing even if I wasn't getting paid to do it. You know what I'm saying? So it's definitely what I guess would say keeps me going. Yeah, and for me, I guess it's just always looking forward keeps me going like you know 
are my goals keep growing. They really aren't. I'm not one of those people who like writes out a five year plan. It's like I write out like a few months ahead. And then as the months come, like my vision gets bigger and clearer. And like when something hits me, I'm trying to I try to be really in tune with it. Like, all right, why is this an urge of mine right now? So like a lot of self-reflection and that's what kind of keeps me going is just like, yo, that felt really good. How do I make that happen again even better? And um, and then just like trying to prove myself wrong. Like I have a lot of self-doubt all the time, I think, just as a an entrepreneur and as a woman in this industry and just a lot of different stuff. Like I'm always questioning like, yo, could this be better? Could this be bigger? What is this? What is that? And just like trying to show myself like one, you're always worried for nothing because <laughs> you get it and you have the skills to get it done and um, just want to get to a point just wanting more and wanting to get to that point, not more financially, not more, but just more space, more creative ability, more power to like get things done, not just for myself, but for the culture that I love. So like, yeah, I guess it's the vision constantly growing in front of me is what keeps me running towards I'll, it. I would say that, that you know, Very dope. the biggest thing is realizing like, you know, whether we're going like different label meetings or de- meeting with like different brands, it's like, yo, like New England really has an opportunity mm-hmm. to be on the map. Like not just Providence, not just Boston, not just all these whatever Harvard, all these other cities. Like we really have the opportunity to like to create something right now. Like there's a lot of people watching. There's a lot of energy that's like coming coming to this area, and we have like we really do have an opportunity to be like some people at the forefront of bringing that culture to the world. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I definitely think that's another thing. I, I guess I would say that that keeps us going. Thanks so much for tuning into First Year Project. For episodes, visuals, and releases, make sure to check out firstyearproject.com or our social media accounts at firstyearprj. Once again, firstyearprj. P as in Paul, R as in Ryan, J as in John. The past couple of episodes, we've actually hosted and had um, some really cool chats around um, some questions that like involved episodes or like takeaways so one of them was actually like well, I think one of the craziest things that your boss has ever like told you and another question was around like how do you deal with stress so definitely make sure to check us out on social media and be a part of the conversation the work while you wait long tea collection is officially available for purchase online now at firstyearproject.com shop Many thanks to those, again, who've already purchased theirs and received them in the mail. Remember, the shirt also comes with a complimentary vinyl and is being sold in very limited quantities. So if you'd like to purchase one, go to firstyearproject.com slash shop. Once again, make sure to go to firstyearproject.com slash shop. If you're interested in putting money towards raffling a shirt off, or if you live in the Boston area, make sure to contact me at firstyearprj at gmail.com. Today's background music is My Night by Chantel Acta. Once again, Chantel Acta. C-H-A-N-T-A-L and Acta is spelled A-C-D-A. You can find her work on SoundCloud.com. Editing, production, and hosting were all done by myself. Follow First Year Project on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at First Year PRJ. You can follow myself across the same social media platforms at underscore Alexis Claytor. First Year Project also has a Facebook page. You can find the page on Facebook at First Year Project. Thanks so much again, y'all. Have a dope week.